up everybody uh welcome back to the golf guide podcast uh i'm kyle serlo and uh it is delightful ever so delightful to be back with you guys for this week um i got a very short short podcast for you this week and this is after an off week and uh admittedly i'm just gonna let you guys know right now just given uh everything that's going on in california right now with these wildfires and everything else uh it has been a little chaotic here on the work front uh, and also, just with uh, so much scary shit going on, I admittedly just didn't really have the time or motivation uh, to get you guys a podcast for last week. So let me just start right out with an apology for that, for the uh, probably almost two dozen of you that were eagerly uh, waiting for a podcast last week. Uh, yeah, you didn't get one, and, and I apologize for that. But hey, I'm right back here with you this week. Uh, that being said, I still don't have all that much for you because at least, you know, aside from professional golf and, and Dustin Johnson, uh, lighting the world on fire and Sophia Popov, uh, winning the women's open last weekend. Um, you know, there's just not a lot going on, at least here in the local golf scene. Um, I, for one have not been able to play golf, uh, for almost two weeks now. Uh, I did play a ill-advised round, uh, out at the coast at Bodega Harbor, um, maybe amidst a lightning storm to, you know, against my better judgment. Uh, luckily I'm still here, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing. I, I, I can't, I can't really give you a reason why I thought that was a good idea. I was hung over and I was trying to find a way to fight it off, uh, and get through it. And it somehow helped. And I was fortunate enough not to get struck by a, uh, large thunderous bolt of lightning. So that, uh, that felt good. Um, yeah. And so, but since then, that's been almost two weeks from now. Unfortunately, that was the same lightning storm that seemed to have begun and started all of these crazy uh, lightning fires throughout California, which admittedly have been absolutely terrifying. Um, I think the latest figure that I've seen, over 700,000 acres of land has been on fire in California. It's been terrifying. The air quality for, for most of us uh, has been such where it has not been advisable to go out and play golf, which has been a huge bummer. I know... And I'm sure a lot of golf courses have continued to be busy because, um, as we're going to get into a little bit in this podcast, this summer, I mean, especially in the, the Bay Area and Los Angeles and the large metropolitan areas uh, in California and what I assume is the, the rest of the West Coast, um, golf courses have been experiencing probably the busiest um, months they've had in not only just over a decade, but possibly this century. I mean, since the, since the calendar... Uh, turned to the year 2000, I, I'm not positive that the last three months haven't been the busiest for many of the West Coast's uh, golf courses. I know, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts with Boat, there, there's been golf courses that have been turning away dozens of people every day because they simply do not have enough tee times available uh, for the amount of people that want to come and play golf in any given day, which is it's crazy. It's, it's a far cry from where we were just a few years ago where golf courses were scrambling, trying to find ways to to get golfers to get, you know, get, get enough golfers at least on the tee sheet to break even so they didn't have to close their door. I mean, it's it's crazy, a absolutely crazy. But, um, you know, the main part being that I hope all of you guys have been able to stay safe um, with all these fires going on. My heart goes out to all the people that have been struggling, uh, especially those who have actually lost homes or, you know, have I had to evacuate. I know I mean, my folks. Uh, you know, the, the founder of the Golf Guide Empire, you know, Ricky, Ricky, you know, Rico Suave himself, uh, him and my mother had to evacuate their home. They had a fire that started just a couple hundred yards away from their primary residence uh, in, in Santa Rosa, which was terrifying. I was, you know, freaking out. I, was, uh, I obviously live in Chico, which is a couple of hours away, and I'm, 
you know, calling back and forth, you know, with them, making sure they're safe, they're getting out of the house. You know, I'm getting all these reports, you know, that I that I get sent on my phone from the sheriff's department telling people to evacuate. And it's just, it's terrifying stuff, man. And, and they were fortunate enough where their home, as of right now, is okay. Uh, but I know a lot of people out there, a lot of golfers, um, have not been as fortunate. And so my heart goes out to all of them. And I hope the rest of you guys are, are able to stay safe and healthy. And, um, you know, some golf courses have had to close down. You know, one of my favorite places in the entire world, uh, Northwood Golf Course, and, you know, on the Russian River has been closed for uh, almost a week now as uh, a, a lot of the fires in Sonoma County have been right there um, north of Highway 116, north of the Russian River, uh, kind of out towards the coast, which has been terrifying. So to all my friends uh, who work out in Casadero um, and, you know, and, and around that area, man, this has been terrifying, and, and I hope all of you guys are doing well. Um, man, yeah, this sucks. I, I I keep on talking with friends. It's like I I don't remember fires really being a a, a thing for the first thirty years of my life uh, as a Northern California resident. And um, between you know the, the <laughs> between the Tubbs fire in Santa Rosa a couple years ago to then moving to Chico and having the campfire happen a month or so after that took place, uh, more fires obviously in Sonoma County and around the rest of California last year and happening again this year. It's just it's crazy shit, man, and I'm uh, I'm not I, I I don't like it. I, I I again not to make this political. I I guess we can't figure out for certain if this is you know an effect of global warming, but it seems like it's going crazy enough where it at least would make sense to at least try to put some stuff in place to try to mitigate this sort of thing if it is you know controllable. So that's where I'll end that little rant real quick. So hopefully there are going to be you know uh, funding and mechanisms put in place to try to make it so. Our part of the world doesn't light on fire every year. That, that, that's basically all, all I'm advocating for. I, I would just like something to get put in place to at least try to mitigate the absolute disaster um, that's been taking place across the Pacific Coast. Um, all right. With that being said, we're going to put that on the back burner now. Uh, there's a couple golf things that I wanted to touch base on with all of you guys. Uh, but before I do that, I wanted to remind all of you that this week's podcast is brought to you by none other than the Sea Winds Estate, uh, which is a 60-plus acre estate. Uh, that is available for rent at seawindsestate.com. That is a perfect home base for any golf trip taking place on the Oregon coast. It's close to Bannon. It's close to Coos Bay. Uh, and if you go to seawindsestate.com, not only can you check out all the details and photographs of this incredible spot, uh, it is also the place that you can go to reserve the Sea Winds Estate for you, your friends, your loved ones, for whatever that next awesome uh, vacation on the Oregon coast uh, entails. So, Go to seawindsestate.com, check it out, book it. I mean, again, it's it's rumored by locals to have been the former home of Brad Pitt's mom, which uh, I, I have uh, tried to do some fact-checking, and I was able to back that story up in zero ways whatsoever. I'm, 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 I'm almost 99% confident that anybody in the Brad Pitt sphere uh, has never really had any um, <laughs> any ties to the Sea Winds Estate, but... It is a phenomenal story, and uh, if according to the Coos Bay locals, it's almost entirely possible. So check out seawindsestate.com and book your next awesome Oregon Coast vacation uh, today. All right, with that, everybody, let's get into a couple of things I want to touch on in the news sphere. Uh, the first one that I want to talk about was, as I mentioned, in July. Um, July and even like June and, you know, for, for this year, it has been one of the craziest um summers at least you know for for golf in terms of being busy you know sales and you know some new stuff has come out and according to golf data tech um july 2020 was the largest 
month ever for golf retailers. So if you, especially the three highest, uh, you know, the, the manufacturers, the TaylorMade, your Callaways, uh, all, all those guys, they have experienced uh, a month unlike any in their uh, <laughs> in their company's history. So I'm going to actually jump into Golf Digest uh, article according to Mike Stratura. And uh, Mike, I apologize if I've butchered uh, your last name, but he offered an extensive breakdown of the surge of sales and reached out to all the CEOs who um, you know are, are, are running these companies. And it uh, it's crazy, man. I, I just want to run over some of these numbers. So each of the club and ball categories were up more than 25% in both units sold and dollars generated compared to a year ago. Specifically, the golf ball industry for July of 2020 up 27% in terms of units sold and 28% in terms of revenue. That is, first of all, wild. Uh, putter sales up 32% in terms of units, uh, 36% in terms of dollars uh, generated, which is crazy. Like, <laughs> uh, up 32% for putter sold, and, and th- that number seems crazy until I until I share with you what the number are for wedges, woods, and irons. All right, the, the, the next three I'm going to give you are just in terms of units sold, and this is like mind-bending stuff here. Wedges up 64% in total units sold. Woods up 74% in terms of units sold, and irons, sets of irons, up 83% in terms of units sold. Now, I got to take uh, my nerd hat off real quick and just basically tell you guys, like, th- that, to me, just think about this. In one month, these companies have sold almost twice as many sets of irons as they did before, which, I, I, I as, as you can tell, I'm failing to come up with words to describe just how nuts that is considering that i've always thought that golf companies were selling more irons than they probably should have anyway just because the year-over-year increment in terms of technology to me has been pretty insignificant you know the the irons that callaway for instance was selling and not to you know uh you know basically put callaway on blast i mean this, this goes for almost all the club companies the clubs they've made the last last year or the year before that compared to what they are offering this year you know, as somebody that actually had an opportunity to test and demo a lot of them, I didn't really notice any difference whatsoever in terms of performance. So, you know, the fact that um, they're able to just come up with, you know, slap a new name and some different color schemes, maybe change the aesthetics uh, of these clubs year over year that drives a lot of the sales anyway is crazy. But to then on top of that, do an 83% increase over last year for the number of irons is just, I, I mean, for lack of a better term, it's fucking nuts. Um now, the CEOs were all contacted, uh, you know, didn't get any angry calls, according to Statura. Um, but here is a, a quote uh, from one of them, and that is, quote, One element we're seeing is that more folks play, the more they think about equipment. Uh, <laughs> and that is from David Marr, president and CEO of Titleist and FootJoy parent Akushnet. Um, so apparently the more, folk, the more people play golf, the more they think about equipment. That is perhaps the least uh, enlightening um, <laughs> thing we've heard. But, I mean, at the same time, like, it, it makes me wonder what percentage of these people that are buying new equipment are folks that are now just getting bit with a golf bug for the first time. I wonder if folks like myself who have had decades of reinforcing the notion that it is the Indian and not the arrow uh, when it comes to, to golf clubs, I, I wonder if people like myself, now that we've, you know, We've been quarantining, and you know, golf has been our only outlet to actually socialize and get outdoors. Um, if us getting back out there is, you know, something we're we're considering and buying new equipment, or if really it's, you know, like this guy at Akushan says, where it's people that are now just getting bit with a golf bug for the first time because, 
you know, for the first time in their lives, golf has been the only thing, the only outlet that they can go to, and that because they just don't have the knowledge of knowing that the clubs probably aren't going to help them get all that much better, they're the ones that are driving up this club demand. I think it's got to be the case. I know at least for, you know, what one thing... Again, I I have like 25 different thoughts going through my head right now, so it, I, I apologize if I'm scattered all over the place. But for me personally, this summer has seen some of my best buddies that I've been trying to uh, get... <laughs> Trying to get to play more golf have finally done so. None more, none more so than you know my closest childhood friend Andrew, um, who has always been interested in golf. But until this summer, uh, and in the quarantine, has never really been truly bitten by the golf bug where he's been wanting to play, you know, several times a week. And that is absolutely the case. I mean, he, you know, he has now gone to you know either hitting range balls or playing golf four plus times a week, which has been nuts. And even he. Uh, has upgraded. I think he's bought a new wedge here recently. He's kind of, you know, c- c- trying to dial in some golf balls, which I think are really good. He is one of those guys that is playing enough golf and actually is good enough where he, you know, he was using wedges and some other stuff that were well over a decade old. And that makes sense to me. But I, I am curious about the guys, you know, not like Andrew or myself, where, you know, the guys that have been on the fringes of getting hooked on golf, they already had new golf equipment. You know, when they first like, you know what, I'm going to be a golfer. They went out and spent a couple grand you know, a few years ago, got some new clubs, and now that they're playing more golf, uh, is it time to maybe upgrade again? My guess is uh, probably not. I, I don't know. Uh, another quote here from Callaway's Chip Brewer reported a huge uptick in online sales, and he doesn't think it's all just pent-up demand situation. Uh, quote from Chip Brewer, The surge we have right now, some portion of that is pent-up demand, uh, and some portion of that is the increased interest in the game and the increased participation. The participation and the interest in the game, I can't help but believe, are positive indicators for the long run. I, I hope so, man. I, I, I My biggest hope is that the increase in play, uh, even, you know, okay, first of all, let's keep our fingers crossed that somehow this pandemic uh, comes to a close at some point in the next year. I am going to be really, really curious to see if the added interest in golf this summer sustains and people get hooked enough where they are going to continue to play golf at a rate that is far greater than what they did or than what they did pre 2020. My guess is that some of them will, some of them won't. I think it's the safe and boring assumption to make. Um, but for example, if golf, if interest in golf is up, say 50% um, over last year, right? In terms of, you know, participation rounds played, I know the equipment obviously is somewhere, you know, if you average it all out between all the clubs and balls and things like that, it's probably 50 or 60%. If that, if somehow golf can keep that number, you know, for 2021 and 2022 at like 30% above what 2019 and before rates were, golf is going to be in a really good place. And honestly, with this added, you know, <laughs> all this added, uh, you know, equipment buying from everybody, it just reinforces my idea that bifurcation, you know, on the professional level where those guys can maybe use some smaller club heads or their woods uh, for these club companies that are just selling shit, you know, left and right. Why not give them another another item to sell if people are that interested in buying equipment? Still doesn't make any sense to me why they are against such a thing. But hey, I'm just a, I'm just a dude that likes to play golf with a small brain. So what the fuck do I know? Um, all right. On that front, let's move to the next item of news, and that is the CJ Cup. Uh, it is a normal fall event that takes place on the island of Jeju uh, in my former homeland of Korea. Uh, but given uh, everything going on with COVID, travel restrictions, international travel, 
That tournament has temporarily been moved to a West Coast event. That's right. Uh, this year's CJ Cup, uh, which is going to take place October 15th through the 18th, is now going to be contested at Shadow Creek, the infamous uh, Las Vegas venue built by uh, former uh, hotel mogul Steve Wynn. Um, and actually, I'm pretty stoked. I, I did really like watching the guys play uh, in Korea. That golf course is fascinating for a number of reasons. Um, but to actually be able to see a lot of the best players in the world play Shadow Creek, a golf course that they do a lot of high-end you know, fundraisers at, I mean, obviously the match uh, between Tiger and Phil was contested at Shadow Creek. And I'm actually really excited to see a full, you know, I say full field, a 78-person field uh, actually play this golf course. Because admittedly, even though it's right here in our backyard, I actually don't really know all that much about Shadow Creek in terms of its design, its routing, you know, the way the best players in the world would attack the golf course. Um, I, I'm very, very excited to check that out. So I, I think... You know, this is the PGA Tour and the folks at CJ, uh, a you know Korean conglomerate. Um, I, I like to see that they're making the best of a bad situation. And I think as a golf fan, getting to watch everybody play Shadow Creek is ultimately going to be a win uh, for most of us from a viewing standpoint. So excited to check that out. Um, there's still a couple of tournaments on the Asian swing of the calendar that are still have not been modified yet. That is the Zozo Championship, the one that Tiger won last year, as well as the HSBC Champions uh, Tournament that takes place in China every year. Um, those are still on the calendar and still set to take place at their normal venues, although it is expected that those are going to either be canceled or the venue is going to be moved um, in the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for that. So who knows? The Asian swing for the PGA Tour uh, seems as though it may not be taking place understandable given everything that is going on uh another little side note um regarding the professional game daniel berger who i had in my pool for the pga championship and looked like a pretty good bet to win going into sunday um understandably is a little bummed because given everything that's going on this year and the way that augusta uh put its its criteria in place for people to qualify for the masters daniel berger has been one of the best golfers in the world easily one of the 10 best in the world um, in 2020, both before and after uh, the stoppage. Uh, he won at Colonial. He's got top 10s left and right. Um, but given the criteria that Augusta put in place for people that are going to qualify for the 2020 Masters, which is going to be contested in November, Daniel Berger somehow is not <laughs> not going to be participating, which for a top 20 player in the world seems crazy. So I think unless a former champion decides to sit out and open up a spot, it looks like one of the best golfers in the world is not going to be able to take place in what many of us consider to be our favorite major championship. Uh, that is a little disappointing and a little weird. So uh, hopefully something works out where Dan Berger gets into the 2020 Masters, but due to his win at Colonial, he is automatically qualified for the 2021 Masters. But, uh, yeah, it still seems kind of far away. That, that, that's two Masters away. So hopefully Dan Berger can find a way to get in. And then lastly, uh, for keeping it on major championship talk, I just wanted to give a heads up to everybody who is planning on enjoying uh, the U.S. Open uh, on TV at Wingfoot next month. Um, I hope you guys are really good at changing channels. It was announced that the broadcast for the U.S. Open is going to be split across three different channels, or I should say two different channels and a streaming network uh, each day, which... <laughs> Uh, as somebody who is kind of a cord cutter and kind of is familiar with how all the stuff works, it's not crazy for me. But I know my dad, uh, you know, 
late 60s, you know, if I tell him he's got to go from Golf Channel to NBC and then he's got to find something he can stream, something on Peacock, which is NBC's new streaming app, uh, he's he's going to be bummed. Um, and that was announced that basically <laughs> for some of these days, the broadcast in a single day is going to be split between NBC, the Golf Channel, and then we'll move to the streaming-only Peacock app. So just wanted to give all of you guys a heads up that if you are planning on enjoying every shot of the U.S. Open, uh, you best be prepared to really be nimble and be able to navigate uh, through all that different stuff. Uh, many of you listening probably are going to have no issue with that whatsoever, but uh, if you have family members that are not so savvy on the streaming uh, front, I, I would I would advocate for you guys to reach out to those folks and uh, give them give them a hand. You know, get, get, let them know what they need to do to be able to enjoy it because this year's U.S. Open at Winged Foot should be really fun. That golf course looks like it is going to be absolutely brutal um yeah those <laughs> oh man yeah those <laughs> those greens uh as wild as the greens were at the pga championship and uh having had a chance to play them uh the day after you know sunday's final round i can advocate that they with the greens as fast as they were it really made the harding park greens uh, a lot gnarlier than they normally are at their normal speeds usually they're pretty benign when you go and play them but when those speeds were ramped up it made those greens a lot more difficult the greens at Wingfoot have a thousand times more internal contours than you're going to see at Harding Park, and not only are the course conditions I think are going to be even gnarlier than they were at the PGA Championship, given that it's a U.S. Open, but how fast those greens are and how wild they are, I I think the U.S. Open has the potential to be a absolute bloodbath, and I I'm excited about it. I'm excited to watch it, um, but. I also am going to have access to Peacock, Golf Channel, and NBC. And so if you guys want to be like me and catch all the action, just remember to have all that stuff uh, all that stuff dialed in beforehand so you're not scrambling to figure it out uh, same day. Uh, all right, with that, everybody, that's going to bring a wrap-up to this week's podcast. I told you guys it was going to be short. I did not lie. Um, yeah, and so, again, I'm, I'm going to get back to the thing I was talking about at the top of the podcast. With all the fires going on everywhere, please, everybody, just stay safe. Um, if you have anybody in your life that is struggling, uh, and you have the ability to reach out, help them with anything they need, I would very much recommend you doing so. Uh, and for the rest of you guys, um, if the, if the weather outside and the air is of a high enough quality to go out and play some golf, uh, make sure you're going and doing that this week and this weekend. If not, then please be safe. And, uh, you know, let's, let's get through this together, everybody. So with that, have a great rest of your week and I will be back, uh, in seven short days all. All right. Adios. Adios.